Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to, to be there in a moment. Um, I want to set this up for you uh, with something. I, I'll give, I'll give, I rarely give credit, but I'm going to give my uncle credit for this. He, he, now, I'm going to also tell on him because um, he seems very sharp, but he's getting old, okay? Because this sermon that I'm getting ready to start with, or this idea that I'm getting ready to start with, that he actually gave me, he's given me about seven times, and each time he tells me as if it's the first time. No, brother, let me tell you, I'm telling you. <laughs> he says, no, he goes, he calls, he calls me, we're, we, we grew up in the old school church, so he says, now, brother Dan, I've got a message for you. And I'm thinking to myself, if he says this thing about communion one more time, and every time I've graciously said to him on the phone, that's a good one. I've heard it five times, but that's a good one, all right? Um, but um, he just gave me this thought, and I'm going to kind of run with it this morning. That's my way of saying everything I'm getting ready to say he didn't say, because the rest of it's good, all right? And, uh, but he called me on the phone, and he said, Dan, I don't know if you realize this. Research it for yourself. Look it up. But he said when Jesus did communion, when he, when he did the first communion, he, he instructed his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. He said every time you break the bread, you drink the cup, remember me. And uh, today we're actually going to finish service with communion. Um, Laura called it an emergency communion, all right? She called me on the phone and said, we're doing communion on Sunday. I said, all right, we're gonna do it. So I knew this was the time for, to share this with you. He said, I want you to remember me this way. Now that word remember has uh, certain, certain um, connotations for most of us. We, we think about it like, oh, I remember, you know, when my grandpa used to say, I remember my grandma's cornbread. But actually what it means, and, and, and it ties in with that, when we remember something, it's the opposite of dismember. So when I remember my mom's skillet cornbread, right, I'm collecting these thoughts that have been swirling around in my brain and I'm bringing them back together to remember that picture. When we say recollection, we're saying a recollection. It's something that was once whole. A thing, an idea, a person, a message, whatever it is. It's something that was once whole that over time has gotten scattered. And we, we recollect them. When we say, oh, my recollection is, in that moment, we're bringing together these fragments of things to put it back together into a statement or an idea or a thing. So when he says remember, or some of the definitions, if you look at Strong's Concordance, the word here is actually recollection or recollection. When we remember, when we recollect the body of Christ, we are under the assumption that there are still parts of the body of Christ that are scattered. Come on. And, and, and throughout time, church, this Christian, the progression of Christian church over time, we have always thought that the body of Christ is completely assembled. There's never been a time in history where the general consensus is we've done all we can 
and all the parts of the body are together today. Right? That's why, if I can speak frankly, for, for years, right, you go to a white church, there's one person of color, and they're like, see? There's 500 of you white. 25% of the population in your town is not white or more. And there's only one out of 500. They said, look how diverse we are. I was like, well, the only non-white person is your associate pastor, so how does that happen? He's getting paid to be here, or she's getting paid to be here, right? We've always throughout time thought, oh, we make this adjustment, make that adjustment, that's good, no more. Jesus said to continually, for the rest of our lives, keep recollecting, remembering. Why? Because A, we'll never totally and completely be done with the recollecting or the remembering of the body of Christ. Two, we are somehow in our human error finding out a way to continue to scatter the pieces of the body of Christ. That's not on him. That's not on the enemy. That's on us. We take hard lines and hard theological approaches and we offend and we disperse and we divide and we, we do not allow ourselves to understand that the highest calling here in the message's communion is as we receive the broken body of Christ, as the body is broken and scattered. Listen to me. He's saying my body was broken. Why? So you could be whole. So you could be complete. He said, let me allow my body to be broken so that there will never be another scattered piece of my body out there that doesn't deserve to be a part of the whole body. Say, Pastor Dan, how do you know this? I'm gonna give you two examples that are clear as day for me. First of all, I wanna tell you, I could be wrong. I was, up, I was up in Minnesota, and I was talking to a, uh, this, there was a church up there called Hosanna, and their budget's about $20 million. They have four campuses. Their smallest campus seats about 1,200. They do two services there at their small camp. It's un, they have, and they might, some of them might be listening. They're amazing people. They have pastors for their pastors. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, every person I ran to, I was like, he's the pastor of this, she's the pastor of that, he's the pastor. I said, my Lord, you guys have a lot of pastors. It's amazing. But they're that big, they need that kind of pastoral care. And um, as I was up there, almost after every sentence I would make, I would say, I could be wrong. How many of you know that's a good place to be? I could be wrong, right? If we never believe that we could be wrong, we're never going to try to find out something more than we already know. You know, the first step in learning something is to go, I, maybe I don't know something. Why would you want to learn if you know it? And so I could be wrong, but you, you judge for yourself. Remembering, bringing back together. The two examples I want to give you is this. The first one is this, in, we found in 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 11, verse 20. He says, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. I want to set this up for you. He's saying, listen, you have to think about this, communion, right? It's where we get the word community from, the gathering of the scattered pieces of the body of Christ that were once broken, right? When we do communion, we do it together. 
When we do church, we do it together. When we try to form community, we do it together. He says, listen, you're taking communion in an unworthily way. In other words, you say you're remembering my body, but you're not actually remembering my body. You're not doing it right. Church, I don't know about you, but if we're gonna do this church thing, I don't wanna be at the end of this and the Lord look at me and say, hey, you didn't do it right. I was asking you to search far and wide for the broken pieces. You looked at my body and it was maybe 80% whole or 70% whole and you said, that's good enough. Because the other 10 or 20 or 30%, they were too hard and too controversial to reach. He said, I want you to bring my body back together. And he says to these people that knew the law, that knew the words, that knew exactly what they knew, whatever that means, right? I was out somewhere um, a couple weeks ago and somebody had a shirt on that says, I drink a lot and know stuff. <laughs> you know anyone like that? They have one drink of something and all of a sudden they know, let me tell you something. I've been there, I've done that 10 times. It's no problem, right? They know stuff. We, we, we get to a point where we're like, we just, oh, I just, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And the church throughout history has known that we've known that we've known. Do you know every generation has been the most progressive generation? <laughs> Think about that. I, I, gotta, I love the millennial generation, but I got news for the millennial generation. They're running around like, oh, these old people, they don't know anything. You know, look at us with our words, saying things like, what do they say? <laughs> oh, Michael, you're still hip, right? Like cap and no cap. You don't know that? I know something you don't know? Probably. Cap means if you're lying and no cap means I'm not lying. You say, you say I, I got a job yesterday, no cap, means I'm not lying. No millennials in the room? Or younger? See, you bunch of old farts out there. <laughs> Guess what? This generation is like, we're so progressive. We got words that mean something other than the actual word. Look at us. Look at us go. News for you. Your mom and dad, they were the most progressive generation too. Come on. Do you hear me? Just look at Woodstock, my Lord. The Jesus movement. You think the church was cool with the Jesus movement? A bunch of hippies running the show? Mm-mm-mm-mm. You got some people that are still mad about the Jesus movement. Like, that was 50 years ago. Relax. It's over. There's been about four movements since then, right? But in this story, he's saying, put my body, make sure all of my pieces are back together. And he says this, do this often in remembrance of me. Take an account of your own soul and ask yourself, am I truly seeking to see the body of Christ come back together? And here he says this, he says, it's not the Lord's Supper that you're eating. In other words, he's saying this church, I'm gonna be very, 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 very kind when I say this. Trust me from the love of my heart. He's really saying this, he says, you think you're having church, that's not church. Why? 
For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry while another gets drunk or overeats. We have in culture, we have in our culture today, one of the things my heart burns like you can't believe for is people who have left the evangelical church and literally just need a safe space to fall apart. The gentleman we had last week, Stan, he started a church called Grace Point in Nashville. That was the original idea, a post-evangelical church for a place for people who had left the evangelical church, had been hurt by, disappointed by, or asked too many questions and were kicked out to come and basically fall apart at the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful thing. That's one of the things my heart burns for. Why? Because I've been hurt by the church. My friends, my family have been hurt by the church. The religion and this man-made thing that we've seen over time does nothing but destroy and eat away at the fabric of people's souls, and we can do better. Do you hear me? We can do better. And so my heart burns for the skeptics, the ones who've walked out of church. Last week in this building, we had a gentleman. He even posted it on Facebook. He was accountable to his own community of friends. He posted on Facebook, well, this morning I went to church for the first time in 35 years. Thirty-five years. Whatever hurt him, disappointed him, didn't make sense to him, that made him leave the church 35 years ago, and for 35 years, he has not had a community in a church building. Mind you, it's funny because he comes here and meets with a different type of community that has been more church to him than the church has. Thirty-five years. Your pastor here stays up at night thinking about those people. My heart breaks for somebody who has experienced God in a way that turned them off so much. A loving God full of grace and mercy with wide open arms like the prodigal son's father saying, just come home to me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about all the stuff. Come home to me and I will throw a party for you and celebrate you. That's, that's, the, that's the God that I serve. How can we serve a God like that and somewhere along the lines be okay with somebody having an experience with a church that for 35 years they have not walked back into it? There are parts of the body of Christ that are scattered pieces that we will not be whole and we can't truly be the church if we don't seek to do everything we can to recollect, to remember that body back together in the same building. Do you feel this today? If I'm preaching too hard, I'm sorry. I just, I have to communicate this to you. And he says this, what do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. It's very interesting how quick we are to judge people when we were received and celebrated. Listen, at the end of the day, and I'm not trying to get anywhere that's gonna step on anybody's toes, but I am a white, straight, what they would call cisgender, which means I, I still identify with the biological body that I was born with, male. 
I am white. I am the most, I am the most, I have the most privileges of any other combination of human on earth. I do. Whether you know it or not, I do. I've seen it. I've watched, I've checked into hotels right next to a couple that paid the same amount of money, has the same reservation of me, but they're not the color of my skin and gotten a better room. Things down to that fine and minute of, of, of subtle things that you wouldn't even think about or recognize are going on all the time. I am the most privileged. For me to try to label or to define somebody else's experience when it has not been my experience is W-O-R-O, what, I just messed that up. W-R, I, w- I was gonna say warang or something like that. W-R-O-N-G, I'm actually a very good speller, I promise you. <laughs> now that's gonna be. <laughs> Sometimes I put the wrong emphasis, whatever, on the wrong syllable or whatever. Okay, here we go. Um, um, it's wrong. I couldn't tell you what it's like to be a female person of color who's pregnant and doesn't have the resources or the connections to get out of the situation she's in. How absolutely, can I say this in church, asinine it would be of me to go to her and be like, well, just get a job. We don't do that. It's not humanly decent. It's wrong. And you know what? She's probably living a life that's more connected to the body of Christ than I am. How could I look down over my brow after all of the opportunities I've been given, all the chances that I've received, and look down on anyone else and say that they don't have the same access to what I have in him? Do you hear me today? Do you know the church is the gatekeeper, it seems, culturally, for how people see their connection to God? We're the ones saying, you, not you, you, not you, you, not you. No, 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 no. If there's anything I can do for humanity with all the atrocities that have been done throughout time, all the injustices that have done without time, if there's anything that I can do and you can do as leaders of this church and this movement, if there's anything I can do, if there's anything I can do to be true to the heart of God, it's one thing and one thing only, which is my heavens, you come and be a part and be received and be loved and be welcomed and be celebrated and be equal with everyone else here. Come into these doors and be a part because my heart is to remember the pieces, not to say, well, that piece isn't gonna fit, No, bring that peace and connect it to the body of Christ because if we're going to do church well, we must recollect the body of Christ together. I'm going to take this one step further. Any, listen to me, any message, any message that divides or goes against unifying or labels or puts in separate boxes and begins to make decisions about all those toys in the toy box over here, any message like that is not from God and not remembering the body of Christ. It is not communion, it is not community, and as sure as heck is not church. Do you hear me today? That's number one. 
the reason I, I went into that is because that's what was happening here. You had the privileged eating week after week. Feed me, pastor. Give me another message. Show me how blessed I am. Give me another drink, pastor. Whoa, another song. While there's people on the outside who can't even have a drop of water, that can't even have a morsel of bread. And they're saying, while you're getting drunk and getting fat and living it up in there as the privileged ones, there are people all over our community who are scattered, who are poor in spirit, poor in any way you want to put it. It's not just about people who couldn't afford it. It's people that didn't have the same access as the privileged. And he's saying to them, you, that, right there, when you come together, that was not the Lord's Supper. That was not remembering my body. That was not putting back together my body. If you continue to read on in that, by the way, if you want my sources, <laughs> the, uh, the Greek word for remembrance is the word um, anam, anamnesis. A-N-A-M-N-E-S-I-S means a remembering or a recollection of the body of Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. He says this, do this as often. He wasn't just referring to like when we have communion in here. He's saying every time you eat and drink, remember my body. You know why he said that? Because for those of us who lack food, we do that at least three times a day. So at the very minimum, three times a day, for some of us, four, five, midnight snack, depending if it's after midnight or not, we have to add it to the next day. For three, four, at least once a day, search inside my soul. Am I remembering putting back together the body of Christ? Then I went to another story that involves bread and broken pieces. This is wild. Jesus feeds the 5,000. We know the story. He says, just find me something. To, give me something to work with here. You, I just find something. And they, they, they search and they're frantic and they find this little boy's lunch and he comes over. And of course, we say the 5,000, but really it was probably 20 or 25,000. Why? Because back then, it was totally okay to just count the men. Now, not to pivot off of what Stan said last week or what we've been talking about for a while, but if we read that clearly, you women shouldn't be counted today. Because it doesn't even say the 5,000 men. It says that he fed 5,000. Which means the rest of you weren't human. Do you hear me today? That's another point. We'll get to that another time, all right? So he goes... So during this, this message, he says, give me something, bring, bring me something. They, they find a boy, and he's got some loaves of bread, and he's got some fish, and Jesus takes this little, and, and, he, and, he, and he begins to multiply and distribute this amongst the people. I, this story just rings over and over and over again in my head. But he, he, he starts to distribute it, and, and, and I, I was, I've been reading this in a bunch of different translations because... I kind of had a feeling I knew what was, what was being said here, and I want to read this to you. I screenshot this on my phone. It says this. It says in verse 11, Jesus took the bread and the fish and thanked God for it. Then he distributed amongst the people, and everyone was free to take as much as they wanted. Now, that's not the main point of what I want to say, but do you hear that today? Everyone, the men 
and all of the people who didn't count, the kids, the women, etc. Everyone could come and receive all that they want. Then this, verse 12. When the crowd had eaten their fill, this goes so perfectly in line with the message where we read in 1 Corinthians, where he says, y'all got fat and happy and you didn't even think about the rest. He says, when the crowd had eaten their fill, Jesus said to his disciples, Uncle Dave, go gather up all the broken pieces to make sure that nothing is lost. And it goes on to say this, every fragment and detail of God's masterful work of redeeming mankind in Christ is most significant. Every detail, every piece and part of the beautiful body of Christ, of humanity, every single piece is essential in understanding the masterpiece that is the body of Christ. And he said this, he said, go collect all the broken pieces. Can I tell you what the long-standing tradition and history of this church has been? Go collect all the broken. Now, when I say broken, I'm not saying every person that we walks in here is a mess and broken. That's not what I mean. I means they have been torn off, usually by somebody else's doing, and scattered apart from the collection of the body of Christ. That's what I mean by broken. We say, oh, broke, Jesus loves broken people. He just loves unbroken people. They're broken off and scattered. He says, now that everybody's eaten, listen, on Sunday, if, if it, you say, Pastor Dan, where are we going as a church? It's right here. We're gonna eat good on Sunday morning. You're gonna get your fill. You're gonna get all you want. On Monday, begins a new week of, let's go collect all of the broken pieces out there and bring them back. That's it. Say, where are we going as a church? We need some direction from you. That's it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day that I put a piece of bread to my mouth or I take a, a drink or I, I, I consume any sort of meal, every single time I do it, I think to myself, today, did I collect some broken pieces or not? Today, did I gather some of the scattered ones? Today, did I do something to make a difference in the life of somebody who belongs a part of this body, who has been scattered, who is out there, who thinks that I'm just a broken piece that nobody cares about, and they're probably gonna leave me in this basket because I'm insignificant. No, there's nothing insignificant in the body of Christ, no more than that my tiny eyes are more significant than my bicep, or less significant. Every detail and piece of this body is essential in remembering bringing back together and establishing the body of Christ. Every detail. Do you hear me today? I, um, I thought about this. We, we as a church do a good job of, of communicating to people out there. Um, let me say it this way. Can I be real with you? That's a no, but I'm gonna do it anyways. All right. If you are a 20-something, 30-something-year-old, white, straight couple with children, 90, this is a fact, 
of the advertising, 90% of the advertising of churches in our community is aimed at you. And if you're not, scattered amongst the rest of you is a measly 10% trying to break through the noise of all the other advertisements we see saying, I guess you can come to church. But if you fit a very distinct profile, every church in Sarasota is gunning for you. And if you don't, come or don't come. Does that look, if all our church was filled with, and if, by the way, if you were a, a 20s or 30-something-year-old couple, as I described with children, we are glad to have you. We are not discriminating against you. We are so glad to have you. I will jump up and down and scream at the top of my lungs. You are so celebrated and loved here, I can't even tell you. My point is, understand that every church is out to get you to come to their church. And the rest of us are scattered broken pieces because people put their money where their ideals and their values are. And the rest of humanity is not valued by the church. No matter what comes out of their mouth or what's on their website, if they're not putting their money behind it, their money is where their value is. Do you hear me today? And where their value is, is not in the rest of our culture and society. So my message to the white, perfect, cute, you say, you know, we used to say Oshkosh Bagosh, but I don't even think that's a brand anymore. That's how old I am. <laughs> now it's Lululemon and whatever, right? We want you to come and we want you to be a part, but you help us in reaching and scattering all, uh, recollecting all of the scattered other pieces that the majority of the church is saying, you know what, come or don't come, we don't care. Oh, no, no, we care about every piece the same, every broken, scattered piece that is out there. We will go after, we will go after by name, we will declare to them you are welcome and wanted and celebrated here, and we will do it together as a community because like I said during worship, a year from now, two years from now, we're gonna look around that church over there and go, wow, look at the diversity of people all praising the same name and the same God and feeling loved and included. Come on, do you hear me today? That is what it means to receive communion, community, and remember, recollect, reassemble all the scattered and broken pieces back into the body of Christ. That is the best that I can do to tell you what my heart is. I'll I'll just about die to do this. I don't want to do anything else. I want to do this. My heart, my mind, my soul would fight me daily if I couldn't do this. I have to. And my hope is somehow I can inspire you Many of you are already there, but inspire you to have that same drive and passion, not even necessarily to all have it figured out, but at the end of the day, as they're getting ready for communion, at the end of the day, that we would burn with a passion to remember and recollect the body of Christ, that we could look around the room and say, there's a whole lot of people here I might not agree with, but you know what? <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Do you hear me today? You know, like, like, a certain color of green might not be your favorite color, but you put it in the right painting and it's beautiful. <laughs> Do you hear me today?
we can bring together every creed, every color, every piece of the beautiful tapestry of humanity. I don't want a monochrome painting. Do you hear me today? I want every bit of that the artist and the master designed this to look for to come and to be received and remembered, recollected, reattached to the body of Christ where we look up and say, you might just be a pituitary gland, but if you're off, you're only the size of a small walnut, but if you're not right, there's a whole lot of problems. You might, you might only be this one part of the brain, this one tiny microscopic part of the brain that nobody sees and nobody knows about. But, but if there's something going wrong there, it might cause a seizure. It might cause a, uh, some sort of uh, neurological reaction through my whole body that could paralyze one side. I'm telling you, every little piece is important if we're going to function. Every part of the body of Christ is important and must be recollected and remembered and put back together. And it's a daily, it's a weekly thing. We'll never, Angie, we'll never get to the end of this where we go, we did it. Never. Or we will make the same mistake that generations before us have made. And, and inevitably, we're going to make mistakes. But we don't want to make the same mistakes and stop at a certain point and say, we've got it. No, we don't. We must keep remembering and gathering and recollecting. Will you do that with me? Will you do that better than me? Will you make me look pathetic in all this? I got you with that one. All the other ones, you had no response. I said, make me pathetic, and you're all on that. Well, now I know how to get you, all right? We're going to pass communion out. Can we do that? Receive that? We'll just hold it, and we will take it together. Thank you so much. So for the eighth time, Uncle Dave. <laughs> that was a good thought. <laughs> sure. Yeah. When he preaches good like this, I get excited and want to jump up. I can't help myself. But think about this. Jesus says when you do it and you don't reassemble the body of Christ, he said you do it unworthily. So we can never be worthy to do this. He said, you're, you're not, but what, when you do it in this fashion, where your whole idea is not to dismember, but to bring together the body of Christ, he said, then you do it worthily. He said, also, by the way, because you've been doing it wrong, he said, a lot of you sick and die before you should, is what he said. He said, you die before your time. So I always used to think, well, what, what am I doing wrong? I love Aunt Sarah over here. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about this beautiful idea is that you literally bring that body that was broken for us together again. And when that happens, watch and see if either spiritually or physically you don't get a healing today because today you're doing it for the first time, remembering what we're doing, bringing that body together again. Is that right? Uncle? Yeah, that's right. So let's believe that together. We're going to get everyone one of these. When you get it, there's a little clear plastic part on the top that'll, if you, if you get to it on your first try, you should play the lottery today. So it should be difficult, all right? Now he's encouraging gambling in the church. All right, so um, just the, the wafer here is on the top. And then that purple, fo that purple foil uh, there, you can, um, you can peel that back. I don't want you to do this, the W-O-R-O-O-N. 
G-Way, okay? So that's a call back. I believe that today. Uh, I told um, Dave, my uncle here this morning, I said, you remember that thing you told me once? I lied. He said, I said once. Um, I'm gonna do that this morning because Laura called me on the phone and said, can we have communion? And I wanna tie this in with communion today because there is healing. <laughs> there is healing that comes when we remember, when we recollect. And church, I can tell you today, we need healing. Do you hear me? We need healing in more ways than we can probably even begin to describe. Let's believe God for healing, for recollecting, remembering his body the way it's intended to be. So let's take the wafer. Think about not only does this represent our own bodies and healing for us, but each one of us is holding a scattered piece of the body of Christ that we're saying we're receiving back in to our body, the body of Christ. Let's hold that together and receive that. And this blood, this I saw someone look at me and go, blood? It's juice, I promise you, okay? If you're new here, I'm sorry. I'll introduce you a little bit. We, we realize that Christianity and um, this stuff is our mother tongue, right? And our lingua franca, which means it's our chosen language to communicate. We understand sometimes if you're not a part of that, you're not in that, uh, you haven't been a part of that, some things we say are weird. So I wanna do my best to explain to you what they mean. This juice represents the, the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us, for not just the remission of our sins, <laughs> it says the remission of our sins, but when we read Hebrews, it says that this blood replaced the ongoing continual sacrifice that required the blood of bulls and goats that could only merely temporarily cover our sin and mistake. And by sin, I'm talking about the things that separate us from the mind of God for us and for the world. Jesus came and his blood says this, it says that it was no longer just covering, it didn't cover anymore. It removed our sin. It cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, which means that sin would no longer have control or hold over our lives, which means that no way of wrongly thinking and living towards God would ever separate us from his heart for us. Heaven would never collect and convene a trial of judgment upon me ever again, no matter what, because his blood was enough. When we receive this today, let's believe, like my uncle said, that our hearts will be renewed, that our hearts will be reignited, and that our bodies and our spirits will be healed. Can we do that today? Let's receive that. Thank you.
after you've uh, gotten rid of your, your cup and, and your plastic there, will you just stand to your feet with me? The key part of this scripture that we'll leave here today thinking about is he said this, he said, I, I want you to make sure, he said, go gather up all of the pieces, the broken pieces, to make sure that nothing is lost. To make, in other words, don't ever arrive at a place where you're sure we've done all we can do. Just daily make sure that nothing is lost. I can't imagine coming to the end of my life and knowing that I could have done something, but I did it. I, I wanna do my best, but I'll probably, <laughs> I love the story we heard this past week, and I'll tell you this and we'll end with this. It's a story of a, and it's a real story, is it? a gentleman, an Irish man in his 80s who had just really led an amazing kind of revolution of thought and understanding of the heart of God in Ireland and, and abroad. And um, he, uh, he said, um, he said, uh, he was asked the idea, he said, you know, do you ever second guess yourself? Do you ever question and wonder if you're going about this the right way, if you're doing the right thing, if you're, if you're doing what you, you, know, you can do. And he said, oh, every day, I'm not gonna try to do an Irish brogue, but he said, every day, I question myself, am I doing the right thing? And he goes, and then I have this recurring vision. And he says, I walk into the, to the throne room of heaven and it's all marble and in the middle is the throne. And he said, I sheepishly walk in thinking, wow, I don't, I don't know if I got this all right. And when I head down and I stub my toe on the marble floor as I walk in, I fiddle with the brim of my hat in my hands, head cast away thinking, oh, I hope, I hope I did my best. And he said, I approach the throne and I say in a muddled tone, well, Lord, I did my best. And he says, Jesus looks down. It's okay if I touch you. <laughs> Jesus looks down and he holds my chin up and picks it up and he looks me in the eyes and he goes, no, you didn't, son, but you did good. Welcome home. <laughs> We're gonna try to do our best to make sure that nothing is lost, Robert, nothing. We're gonna try. But if I can just get a, ah, oh, no, you didn't, but you did good, son. Welcome home, I'll take that too. <laughs> but we're sure as heck gonna try to make sure that all the pieces are collected and nothing is lost. And Father, as we pray today, we open our hearts up to your call, your mandate upon us. We, we run away from the idea of standing here and believing that we're sure, that we're sure, that we're sure we run back and embrace the idea that just maybe we need 
to do more. But there's too many scattered pieces out there that the body of Christ is not complete with. We don't want to today ever be found in a place where we've believed we've done all we could, but there were still some pieces that we weren't willing to give and sacrifice enough for to restore them to their rightful place in the body. Today, let us be challenged and moved, not by our own hearts and our own internal ideas or even just natural bias that we all carry today. Let our heart be moved by your heart through your lens, through the way you see humanity and prepare us to continue to search and seek and recollect the broken pieces, the pieces that have been broken off and that are scattered back unto your body. And praying for those that are physically in their body hurting today. Like my dad, today he's struggling with neck pain. We speak to that pain. We speak to that pain in the name of Jesus to go. Crippling pain that he doesn't have to eat ibuprofen, he doesn't have to do all the things to do to manage it, that it'll be gone and released in Jesus' name. And we speak to everybody in this room and in this place right now that they can receive wholeness and healing. We speak to every heart that has been shattered and broken because of you being misrepresented that it will be healed and remembered. We speak to the spirits that haven't felt alive in a long time to come alive again to the knowledge of the greatness and the beauty of God's love. We do this as we remember and recollect your body in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. We love you. Thank you to the communion team. Will you give those guys a hand for me? And we will see you next week.